Hello and welcome to Walk the Cinema Podcast. This episode we're going to be talking about revisionist westerns. And you might be asking, what is that? I certainly was. Well, it's the opposite of traditional, right? Mm-hmm. It's looking at history with a a new eye, mm-hmm. a new looking at different identities of what a western can be. Right. Cuz I feel like when you think of westerns, typical westerns you're thinking of the john wayne type westerns where it's about like a cowboy who Mm -hmm. is a good guy you know whether Mm -hmm. he is mistaken for a bad guy we the audience know he's a good guy um and then there's you know the evil forces that are trying to yeah take him down it's a very simplistic black and white way of looking at it Mm -hmm. and then it always offers the romance it always offers a very clear view of good and bad. And with a revisionist revisionist Western, you don't have that. A lot of times you don't really have good and bad. It's more ambiguous mm-hmm. than that. I think that's like the easiest way to make it a revisionist Western is to make characters ambiguous and not know who's good and who's bad. Right, where our main characters aren't necessarily like the best people in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say that would be especially true for our first film that we're going to cover. We're covering three different films that kind of fit this category. Um, so our first one being McCabe and Mrs. Miller, Mm -hmm. which came out in 1971. Yeah. This is like a a classic Mm anti-Western. It really does not do what a Western does. It's about industry. It's about the creation of a town, pretty much, using the old Western businesses of a saloon, a whorehouse, gambling. So it's creating this town that Christians would call evil. Right. And something that I would... I would say most of the like traditional Westerns when they came out in like the 1930s and... Mm -hmm. Mostly in the 30s, I would say, it was where you get the bulk of the Westerns that come out um, happening. So, like, those types of movies, I don't think I've ever seen a... Like, yeah, you get prostitutes in those ones, or, like, former prostitutes, but you don't necessarily see, like, the real nitty-grittiness of right. it. Right, this is, this is just a look at that. Like, I, I can't think of a, a movie out of the top of my mind. I'm sure there are others, but... A movie like this that shows just a businessman mm-hmm. coming into a town and like wanting to make his fortune, yeah, by any means necessary. Yeah, and he's and, kind and of... it's not by killing; it's not by being a uh-huh. a cowboy or a lawman or anything like that. He's creating his own like business of what he knows how to do. He knows how to gamble, and then Mrs. Miller comes and she knows how to run a whorehouse. Yeah. And and we kind of see like through out the movie that um, our our kind of main character John McCabe is just a straight up liar. Like he kind mm-hmm. of paints this facade of that he's like he he's with it. He knows what he's doing. He's killed in the past. All ends up being false, and his kind of facade very quickly becomes, you know seen as what it is it kind of takes over this town just by being louder and smarter than all of them because mm-hmm. they're all kind of dumb <laughs> they're all just men that want sex and gambling yeah like that's literally what they are and 
he's smarter than them. Not like he's a genius or anything, but he's smart enough to, to be able to manipulate them into thinking what he wants them to think. And he's loud enough yeah. that they don't even question him. Yeah, and I think that he kind of understands what the needs of the people are at this point. Because it's just a whole bunch of dudes, mm-hmm. essentially. There's not very many women or any women. So he's but we just see him like, kind of you know, fail early on. Because he, he goes to a town and buys three prostitutes. Yes. And it's like kind of miserable <laughs> like they're yeah. just intense yeah in the, in the mud and the snow and and when mrs miller comes she's the one that really builds up that part of the business the part that makes the real money yeah because and, those are that's kind of like how this town is kind of become what it is like later on in the film we have a character that comes up to the town and is kind of like oh i heard you guys got the real <laughs> fancy uh pleasure house up here yeah. is that true and they're like yeah come on and he spends like days there like sampling all the women and they make fun of his uh small endowments yes <laughs> but yeah the, the the mccabe character is not a traditional western star right warren Beatty is not a traditional western star but the character in itself is like not that smart like you think he is at the beginning because he manipulates everyone but you realize he's not, and he's not really making money, and it's it's Mrs. Miller that makes the money, and then he kind of bottles the sale, yeah. where a big company wants to buy the whole town because they want the mines, mm-hmm. and they go through him because he's like the major businessman, but he's not good enough to know how to negotiate with them, and he yeah, ends he, up being... He overplays himself a little bit. Yeah, he ends up being headhunted by the company. They just hire people to kill him. Yeah, because they kind of recognize that he has literally no idea Yeah, they know he's dumb because, because they're even smarter than him, right? Yeah. He's smart in comparison to the, the miners that work there, but he's not smart in comparison to the businessmen from the big towns. Yeah. So they see right through him, and then we get this more westerny facet of the film where he's being hunted down by the evil no no do-gooders yeah like the the headhunters which are there's three of them there's always like a kid yeah and there's always like an older guy that like gets stuff done and then you got like the wild card i feel like that's kind of like a, <laughs> a theme that i see in a lot of uh western movies yeah the villains are kind of characters but i I wonder if that's on purpose it could be i i don't know i think that it, it it at the very least it seems like it would be something that uh you can kind of recognize within a western mm. and so you know i don't think that to be an anti-western per se you don't need to have everything be different you can just kind of take the the elements i suppose that um you know work I guess for the for the story that they're trying to tell. But yeah, this movie um I thought it was okay. Um it felt the first hour I feel like I feel like goes by really really quickly. Um it's like him setting up the town, you kind of getting to know the McCabe and Mrs. Miller characters and how they operate and how like he might be the face of the operation, but then she kind of slowly becomes like the face and the brains, I would say, even to like the townspeople, because I I don't know, maybe it's not supposed to be like this, but there was a, a point where the townsman kind of asks a girl like, oh, are you one of 
Mrs. Miller's girls and not like McCabe's girls, mm-hmm. even though McCabe is the one that owns the brothel. Like it's still kind of seen that this is this is purely like Mrs. Miller's doing, you know? Yeah, she's the brains. Yeah, and then I think she. It's because she's British, and then she, you know, she has her own opium addiction. Yeah, which is part of her downfall. Mm-hmm. And his downfall is just being stupid. Yeah, being stupid. Literally, <laughs> and, and being in love with Mrs. Miller. Yeah, because they have they end up developing this kind of um, relationship that like it kind of seems like they both like each other but she still makes him pay for services and whatnot i think it's her keeping up the the facade of let's not mix pleasure and business yeah potentially i I think it's just her playing coy kind of yeah but she also gets annoyed with him i mean because he's dumb yeah and she sees that he's dumb when he comes back and is like oh i turned down a five thousand dollar offer for the town and she's like are you stupid like do you do you even know who these she people warns are him too she warns him that they'd rather kill you than play games and yeah. he still goes back and plays games he, he, he just tries it again because he's a gambler i suppose and yeah then he, she's right obviously yeah because they come back with a with a higher offer they they like we can do 6250 those and, are big numbers yeah six thousand two hundred fifty dollars <laughs> but he's like mm, i was thinking more like four 14,000, 15,000, and they're like, mm, no. And then he <laughs> and then tries to negotiate with, with the killer, with, with the, the killer, killer that he doesn't know. Yeah, and, and you him. see the panic in him. You see Warren Beatty just panicking. Yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of obvious that he, he's, he's in too deep at that point. Yeah, and then he kind of has to become what he kind of touted himself to be in the first place, where he has to become smart enough to to kill these guys that are after him yeah and i think this is the part where it does get i guess it speeds up and it gets more action-packed but it gets more boring to me yeah i would agree i prefer the the building of the town and the intricacy of what they're trying to do more than him trying to survive yeah i agree with that that's why i think like the first hour goes by really really quickly but then the second hour kind of to me drags on like, I feel like especially the bottom, like, 30 minutes really dragged. Mm. Because I think at this point you kind of understand where this is going. And I think also the ending's kind of fitting because he ends up being able to kill all these people. He ends up being able to to kind of get away, I guess, from the hired hitmen. However... What the last one, the final one, ends up fatally shooting him. Yeah, and he dies. Or in mortally the snow. injuring him. So then he dies in the snow. But then you also see that the town doesn't need him anymore. They were able to work together to to put the church fire out. Yeah, and I think that's that's the imagery of the ending, right? The yeah. Kind of a Christian ending where the, they they're so worried about saving the church mm-hmm. that they can't. Sh- Saved a man that created the town through not evil but sin. Yeah, and I think it's it's just kind of fitting that they're able. Like he dies, and like the town is going to be fine. Like you know, the town is going to be fine. And, and Mrs. Then, Miller is also kind of not going to be fine. I don't know if she dies. I don't think she dies immediately, but she's no. addicted to drugs. Yeah, so I do think that that kind of is like 
maybe this uh like town isn't going to have like i think they'll still have the the brothel not just the business but it doesn't have to be the reason the town exists yeah i think especially because the town is named after the church yeah it's the presbyterian church that's the name of the town presbyterian church washington (laughs) which washington love washington beautiful state yes the snow (laughs) in this is beautiful it seems like it'd be such a pain, though, to live Yes, living. but you get to wear those gigantic fur coats, so it's kind of worth it. Yeah. <laughs> but this, I believe, did get an Oscar nomination. Yeah, um, it did. For Best Actress. Supporting? No, just Best Actress. Okay. Yeah. For um, Julie Christie, who plays Mrs. Miller. And... I guess she's a title character. It would be Maine. Yeah. I think that, you know, it's it's somewhat fitting, I feel, to have this be kind of a best picture, or not best picture, best actress nomination. She does well in it. I just feel like she's not, like, I feel like her character's not super fleshed out. I feel like it's know? not a main character, really. If yeah. it wasn't a title character, I don't know if people would call her a main character. Yeah. It's, it's really McCabe's story. And the town story more than hers. But, I don't know. She's good. Her look is very immediate. Like, oh, she's the head boss. Yeah. Like, immediately as you see her, like, oh, she's not like a prostitute like the ones he hired. She, yeah, like, no, she's, she's like more sophisticated and stuff, I feel. And then she's got the Cockney accent. So yeah. it's kind of like she's, she's very, exotic yeah, in the she's way. she's very obviously British. Yeah. And then, you know, I don't know. But I give this um, a 6 out of 10. Very offensive rating to a lot of sure. history, film history lovers. I just don't think that it didn't like captivate me. Like I, I did like the first half. But then, I mean, I, I just feel like the other movies that we've watched uh, for this episode just captivated and entertained me a little bit more. Okay. So this one just didn't do it for me. I think this is just the one I think of when I think of revisionist Western, especially anti-Western. Because mm-hmm. the other ones we're talking about aren't necessarily anti-Western. Yeah. But this is like a pillar in that. It's one of the early big names in revisionist Western. And I think it's just, I don't know, I really like it conceptually it's fantastic and then there's a lot of elements to it that make it kind of like iconic and rememberable like the outfits Mm. being like so outlandish the music being kind of just offbeat for what you'd expect it's more of a like chill 70s music less than like a shoot 'em up western music yeah so it's very identifiable i don't know i really like it i gave it an eight it's grown on me since I first watched it, for sure. I don't think it's going to grow on me much more. I don't think it's, like, a fantastic film. Yeah. But yeah. I think it's it's really good. And it's, like, it is fantastic in relationship to what it's trying to do. Right. It does it fantastically. But as a movie in general, I still think it's really good. Hmm. And Altman is a great director. And we'll be talking about him probably more. In the future. Yeah. yeah. But on to our next one. Another fantastic director. One of my favorites that I... This was the movie we were debating which one should go in this spot. And I just like Jim Jarmusch so much that we went with Dead Man. Mm-hmm. Which came out in 1995. So we are jumping quite a bit ahead. Yes. When Westerns of... were not a very significant 
uh, genre yeah. anymore. And it, it still was, um, I'd say before, because, I mean, we did kind of have a, and still kind of see, like, westerns become more of a genre to explore. I would say, like, in the um, 2010s, I remember seeing a lot of western or western-adjacent films come out. And I mean, you know, even in the 90s, there was Best Picture winners that were westerns, but... Sure. I, maybe. I guess. I guess. But, you know... But this, a, this is... This is not what you think of when you think of a western. No, not really. This is kind of a symbolic film for maybe purgatory. That's what I get in a, in a way. I get that this is kind of a purgatory film. Mm. And the dead man is a literal dead man. Yeah, like he's going to die. I think he's already dead. I think it's kind of a... He's dead and he's going through this mission of good and evil to figure out if he goes to heaven or hell. I suppose, because it does say... Okay, so to kind of give like the basic overarching plot, we have Johnny Depp playing our main character, um, William Blake. Which is a significant name. Yes. he William Blake was a uh, poet. Yes, he was and, an English poet. Yes, and like the... I, I don't I don't even know how old <laughs> to much, be honest. I don't think much earlier than the setting of the film. Not super much earlier. Um, but either way, he meets he goes to this town, he gets wrapped up in like a killing of like the town guy that is really significant, like his son. He ends up killing his son. Yeah. Unknowingly up- kind of. He kills his son kind of to defend himself. Kind of. And it's kind of implied that the son could have or could have not have killed him too. Yeah. We don't know that. I mean, from from just if you're taking it at face value, you didn't kill him, right? Yeah. But I feel like there's implications that he might have killed him. Sure. The Indian character in this, nobody, that's his name. The Native American nobody spirit guide, yes. Tells him that he got killed yeah. by this white man and... I don't know. It's kind of ambiguous there. Yeah, it is a little bit ambiguous. It's kind of like... The whole movie is, like, easy. Yeah. And, like, you can't really grasp at it too much, and I I don't think you should. I think you should kind of just take it as it comes. Well, I think Jim Jarmusch describes it as, like, a psychedelic Western, Mm. where it's, you know, kind of that free-flowing, I guess. But... I don't know if we take it as like a, um, as like not as like a literal he is dead and he's kind of going through this. There are like a little bit of stuff that I don't know how exactly it fits into the events that happen because he does end up actually killing like two U.S. marshals and like there's again the three dudes that are hired to. Mm-hmm. To kill him, goes, that have like their own side story. Yeah, he goes of. from this accountant to someone that becomes really good at killing by the end of the movie. Yeah. So I don't know, like how the purgatory type thing like works exactly. I do agree that there is like some type of symbolism for that potentially because he is kind of in this liminal space of like between or this twilight space i guess between living and death and death with nobody kind of helping him through it or at least like helping him get to the other side or assuring that he gets to the Mm -hmm. other side so i don't know it's a very it was very interesting it was a very interesting movie to watch it's, was, it's very chill. 
Yeah. It's very much of a mood setting film where you can just take the vibes of it and kind of just sit on your couch and watch it and not have to like warp your brain. Mm-hmm. I like it a lot. I think it's, it's, I like the word hazy. I think it, it's, it's a good description for it. I like what happens. I like the way they talk. Yeah. No. And it's really funny too. It's not a comedy. But, but it feels like it sometimes. It, sometimes it feels like, okay, are you trying to make like a serious comedy joke here? Or is it just like a one-off that I'm supposed to laugh at but not? I don't know. It feels like a comedy even though it's not classified as that anywhere that I've seen. Yeah. I still find that very funny at points. Yeah. I still find like when he kills the man that gets him into trouble he misses twice yeah and the guy just like stands there <laughs> yeah and it's really funny to me <laughs> he just misses twice and the guy is so heartbroken that his ex-girlfriend is sleeping with someone else that he doesn't even move yeah he just kind of is like oh i guess i'll just sit here and let it happen no that was funny there's like some other moments i feel like are funny too like the so they have like the three um hired hitman to go after him and Mm -hmm. so we have like the kid character who's like just young and ruthless kind of i guess but he's like inexperienced and then you have the kind of wild card that won't shut up and then you have the older guy that like gets the job done he has been has proven himself Mm -hmm. i guess in a way uh, but he has a, a weird quirky thing that I guess uh, is different where he, it's alluded that he slept with both of his parents. And After then, killing him. No, he kills the, he slept with both of his parents, killed them and ate him. I think sure that, he didn't kill him for I, I think know. so. I think so. I think it was that he slept with both of his parents, killed him and ate him and that he is like just a cannibal in general. Yeah. And then there's a scene where he ends up, he does end up killing his like two partners i guess because they're not really partners they are just like individual killers three lone wolves that come together yeah that are forced to come together and so he ends up killing both of them and in like the scene where he kills like the the wild card guy you just see him munching on a arm and a hand and it, (laughs) it just kind of looks really goofy to me it's kind of funny yeah but I guess he does kind of play like the demon character if we're taking this like purgatory um like this purgatory uh, allegory i guess he is like i guess the the demon that's trying to drag him to hell whereas nobody is the like angel but nobody is corrupt i think the the use of tobacco in this movie me alludes to corruption and maybe just straight up evil potentially because they keep asking william blake do you have tobacco and he says no because he's pure yeah but i feel like asking for tobacco is kind of a meaning of corruption and and the whole tobacco in general becomes corruption because at the end william blake asks for tobacco at a shopkeeper Uh and that's what ends up getting the shopkeeper killed because he's hiding the tobacco from the indian right so there's a lot of Allusion towards tobacco, and tobacco can mean a lot of things. I think it means evil, which is corruption in general. But then at the end, like when William Blake is get has been put into this uh, boat to be pushed into the Pacific Ocean to go to like the spirit side, he like tells nobody that he has 
tobacco now. Mm. And then nobody's like, you're going to need it when you get there. So, like, I don't know if it's 100%, like, if it means that. You know what I mean? Maybe he's going to hell. Maybe we got it all wrong and he's sending him straight to hell. I don't think so. No, I don't I, think so. Either. I don't think so. Because, like, the whole thing was that the reason why nobody helps him is because he was so enamored with William Blake, the the English poet's, like, yeah. poetry that he thinks that this William Blake is just a reincarnation of that William mm-hmm. Blake. And that that's why he needs to help him because like he helped William Blake's poetry helped him when he was in his time of need yeah, and stuff like that. So I don't know. I, I really don't know what that could all mean. It is very uh, we don't questionable. Need to know. We don't need to know. That's part of the fun. That's true. And that's part of why the movie is good because it doesn't try to explain you anything mm-hmm. in that sense. Like it just shows you stuff. For what it is, and then you can put your meaning into it. Yeah. Like, it's not such an allegorical film where you don't understand what's happening because the director is trying so hard to show you that it's not a literal thing. Mm-hmm. So if you watch this movie just for what it is literally, you still follow the story. And then you can give meaning to certain characters, you can give meaning to actions, and meaning to, like, what they're trying to achieve. Yeah. But you don't have to. You can just also watch it as what it is. A guy trying to escape. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, I don't know. This film had uh, some interesting choices, I I guess, for some some actors. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have Iggy Pop as as a character and Billy Bob Thornton, which was fun to see. They're their own little gang. They are their own little gang. And, I mean... Their acting was, I'd say they were, they were probably, like, those characters that pop up there seem to me like the worst part of the movie. Mm. Not necessarily the worst part of the movie, but, like, the th- worst acting. They're kind of comedic relief, though. Sure, but I, I just felt like it, it didn't, like, fit the the thematics, I suppose. I mean, and then, they, they all ask him for tobacco and keep insisting if they have tobacco. And they kind of imply they might rape him because yeah. he looks like a girl because he has long hair. Yeah. And it's, like, really soft, nice hair. Yeah, they were all fighting over who gets <laughs> to have him. And, like, that causes, like, a whole issue. But, I mean, there are other things that I don't particularly like about this movie, I don't like the kind of like fading in and out where it kind of fades to black and then it's like a new scene and then it fades to black and then it's a new scene like that kind of bothers me in a way. I don't I mean, that's kind of nitpicky, I suppose, but I just feel like it it takes me out. I definitely saw it happen a couple of times, but it it wasn't enough to take me out. I feel like it took me out a couple like a, a, a fair amount because once I noticed it, well, I mean, the whole beginning part is a whole bunch of, like, fading in and outs, but that's because he's, like, sleep- sleeping. Yeah, he's, like, falling asleep. But, um, like, on the train, on his train ride into this town at the end of the line, and, you know, that, it kind of makes sense in that regard, but then it just keeps doing that, and I don't, I don't recall if it has anything, anything to do with, like, sleep or being knocked out or whatever, but I don't feel like it was. No, it wasn't. So, it changed between characters. Yeah, exactly. Time. So it wasn't, like, my favorite stylistic choice just because I felt like it was too... Jarring is a harsh word, but jarring. I was okay with it. I like it a lot. I gave it an 8 out of 10. I think it's really funny. It's also just a good story, just straight up in the literal sense. 
it's not overcomplicated in any... It's literally a guy trying to get away, and he meets characters along the way, but that's it. But that works, especially because they're good characters. I like the character of Nobody. I like the character of William Blake. Yeah. And I like the black and white cinematography of this a lot. Hmm. Just it's 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 good to me. I really I really enjoy pretty much every aspect. I give this a seven out of ten, and I would say that this was probably my favorite that we watched for this episode, which maybe my have my favorite episode uh, favorite movie being a seven for this episode is a little low, but like I think I've made it clear before that like west like the western um, setting isn't my favorite like type. Of thing, I know I say a lot of stuff isn't my favorite type, but I just have like a very specific like vibe and feel that I like to watch, and this nece- isn't necessarily um, that kind of vibe or feel. But I did have a good time. It is kind of like one of those endings where it's like bittersweet, where it's not really like a happy ending. Neither was our last film. Like our two main characters so far have died, and it's not really like nobody. Nobody has, like, a good, happy ending. Like, the story for all the characters that you meet kind of just ends, especially in this one. Because, like, pretty much every character that you're introduced to, when it comes to, like, the Cell, the the girl that he sleeps with, the guy that was her fiancé, our main character, nobody, they all die. All the villains die. Everybody dies, so... I mean, it does, like, wrap up in that sense, but mm. I don't know. Hmm. It's kind of depressing. They all die, always. I think in every movie we're going to talk about, most of the characters die. Yeah. That's just how it is in the awful, awful world of the Wild West. Yeah. But then that finally brings us to our last one, which is 2015's Bone Tomahawk. Um it is a film that was directed by S. Craig Zaylor. I think I'm saying that right. Mm. And uh, it stars Kurt Russell, pretty much. Kurt well, Russell. No, it starts Patrick Wilson and David Arquette. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. But, you know, Kurt Russell's on the poster. He's, like, number one billing. It's... I, I, I don't know. I, I had have... seen this movie. I had seen this movie poster before. Right. And the one character, or the one person I could name you in the film before I watched it was Kurt Russell. We could have also picked, uh, from the same year, Kurt Russell's Eightful Eight. Um, yeah, sure. But you've seen Eightful Eight, so there's no fun in that. I picked this one that I really like instead to make you watch. Mm-hmm. First, I think we should talk about the criticism this gets about being racist. Yeah. About being kind of a Trump movie. Hmm. which I mean just watching the movie without watching interviews or reading stuff it's just a good movie to me right the racism I think it's ambiguous in the film on purpose because it's not a western from like the the point where it's a it's a hero trying to kill a villain yeah so the heroes okay the leads are ambiguous and some of them are just pieces of shit yeah. And one of them is, like, very obviously racist. Yeah, like, very obviously and, racist. And, and I don't think... Because people say, oh, the racist gets a good ending. I don't think he does. I think he kind of just dies. I don't, I don't really feel... 
Yeah, he does just die. One of the, the last things he says is he, he names how many Indians he's killed, and I don't think that's him getting a good ending. Yeah. I don't think that's us forgiving him for being racist. I still think he's an asshole when he dies, so maybe that's just me. Potentially. But but, but it's not me trying to excuse it if you, if you see it for being racist. Then, I mean, that's your perspective. I'm not really trying to change your mind here. I just don't really see it, but maybe I'm blind to something. I'm missing something very obvious. Yeah, and I think they kind of try to subvert like some of the racism that could have happened by creating a a tribe of Native Americans that doesn't exist. Like it's not like a specific group that's like a real group. No, it's literally seven guys yeah it's it's a group of cave dwellers there's seven of them no, well i think there's 12 of them plus two women that and, they and they're torture. well the, the women are just terrible yeah um, <laughs> literally like awful they, they get the, their limbs cut out and they're just used for creating more members yeah. really so. they, they're quadriplegics and then they have their eyes gouged out with mm-hmm. stakes and they can just like no it's an awful visual an no awful it's a really existence. awful visual and i'm kind of I was kind of upset that the Patrick Wilson character doesn't just put him out of their misery. Yeah. When he walks past them. But they just kind of let him live, which like maybe sounds awful that you're like, no, you needed to kill them too. But like, that's such an awful existence and there's no way that they would survive because they can't. They were meant to not survive without like these dudes. But we're talking about like the, the kind of twist ending. It's not a twist, but it's it, it's a subverges i suppose uh the genre so it, it goes from a western like a road trip western for the majority of it to just horror straight up horror in yeah, the it's mountains hills have eyes yeah just but, like horrifying sounds yeah and they're kind of like they're human but you kind of see them as mythical for a while yeah, because, like, they have this very, like, weird screeching sound that you don't know what, how they're doing it. Which is it. the bone tomahawk in their windpipe. Yeah. That's from an animal, I guess. Yeah. And they put it in their windpipe and creates this fucking blood-curling sound. Yeah. But basically, you know, the story starts off with, um, you know, setting up that kind of, like, uh, I would say supernatural element where you're not sure if it's something supernatural, if it's, like, plausible and i think even by the end you're not supposed to be sure Ugh. if it's supernatural or not but i think it's not but yeah i don't know if you're supposed to be 100 percent sure maybe but yeah at the beginning you're definitely not you yeah. see the character of david arquette surviving and his friend played mm-hmm. by the late sid haig being killed and it's this that creates the rest of the story really because yeah. david arquette escapes and he kind of leads them to this town. Yeah, and then they end up kidnapping the this Native American tribe, the, the troglodytes, end up kidnapping three of the town's um, citizens. So well, two of the town citizens plus the vagrant. Oh, yeah, two of the vagrant. towns plus the vagrant. So you have, like, the vagrant, and then you have the wife of a um, guy in town that broke his leg or something. And she's and also then, the... The daughter of the, the daughter doctor, of the so doctor. she has some medical yeah. training, and then the uh, the assistant deputy, yeah, something like that. He gets killed, or the really deputy, fast. yeah, of um, of the town, and then so like the sheriff, the like assistant to the assistant deputy, I guess, or like you know third in command. He gets a terrible ending, yeah, and it's really fast, <laughs> and we just don't get to know him too well. Yeah, I suppose, and then uh, the. 
like the guy that the racist guy <laughs> and then the 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 husband of the of the woman that gets kidnapped and they go on this kind of you know tr- trudge through the 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 western world to yeah. it's supposed to be pretty straightforward you get on your horse you go but yeah. they end up losing their horses because the racist guy is racist yeah which is kind of right i guess yeah which i guess kind of kind of that's what people might be like Oh yeah, he's being racist towards the the Mexican people, but at, at the end of the of the story, he is right. The Mexican guys were trying to steal the horses. Yeah, I suppose. But I maybe know. not. Maybe we can assume that they stole the horses as in retaliation, yeah, yeah, and not because they were trying to do it in the first place. But whatever. It. I mean. Uh, it's, I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's that's reading too much into it for me. But they kind of go on this this thing. The. Arthur is the husband of the girl and he kind of becomes our I would say our like final girl kind of character um, because obviously the stuff does not end well for anybody they meet the you know they get captured by the 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 people the tribe and we have this very horrific scene where they like gut they scalp and like gut uh nick the 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 deputy or whatever they split him in half they like split him in half from like the the bottom like mm-hmm. down and it's just such a i had to like not watch it because i got like really squeamish <laughs> the i did whole not movie enjoy is it pretty gruesome like even the early kills are very I, on screen i suppose but i felt like nothing prepared me for that no that one was the most brutal and then there's also kurt russell getting a a boiling hot flask stuck into his gut. That was also pretty brutal, but not not as brutal. <laughs> like after, it, yeah, yeah, after the the filleting and stuff like that, I was like, mm, nothing can face me at this yeah, point. Once you realize it's a horror movie, like the, the last act and it becomes a horror movie, there's a lot more gore because yeah. there's slit throats and there's shootings and whatever. But once like all those gore happen. I feel like that's when I get really excited for it. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely not a traditional Western, this movie. It's very... It doesn't... It's different. not only, obviously, because it reverts the, 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 the genres. It's also not a traditional Western to begin with because of the characters. Because hmm. no character is really a good guy. I mean, like Kurt like, Russell is kind of fun. an asshole. He shoots a guy in the leg. Yeah, just for And people views. are like, why did you do that? It's like, I don't know. Uh, because... I should. Because I'm the sheriff. <laughs> and that's what I do. Yeah. And he's kind of like, I mean, they all kind of make mistakes that are just kind of like, why'd you do that? You know? Because they're <laughs> human. I mean, it, it, it is a deeper look into the Western myth. And then it becomes like this bonkers, hills have eyes, reimagining of a native tribe and the caves. I don't know. It's just kind of a, a brutal, in your face movie. Yeah. And it's. It goes by really fast and it's really fun to me. This is a movie that's more than two hours, I think. It's a little bit more than two but hours. But it doesn't yeah. feel like it at all. I'd say that's I, fair. I can see some people saying it's slow because it is a road trip movie in the half, in like the second act. Uh-huh. But I think the first act is the slowest one, in my opinion. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think when, we're getting, when we're getting to know the characters, I think it's a lot slower than them going through the desert, personally. Yeah, I agree. And I don't know. There's like certain things about this movie that I didn't like super love. Again, it's going to be nitpicky stuff, but just that didn't make me like fall in love with it. 
that I thought was goofy or silly, <laughs> you know, where just like the Arthur, the the his leg is all messed up and he just does stupid stuff to just like make it worse. It's like you could not do that yeah, if and my, you'd be if, fine. If my leg was all gang- gangrened, I wouldn't be trying to f- start fist fights. Yeah, exactly. And then... You know, there's like the scene where, like I said, the Nick character when he's being brutally filleted and Kurt Russell's just like, there's a whole cavalry coming. They're going to avenge you. They're going to kill all these guys. It's like, that's not going to bring me comfort. Yeah, but he's, he's tr- the point is that he's trying to make him feel better, but... No, I don't think that would I wouldn't care at all. Yeah, no. I also wouldn't be listening. No, like all not I could at all. Hear is my screams. There's no amount of like, no. There's no way that I would hear anything. <laughs> like, I think your body would go into complete shock and like, there's just no way. He so I thought got that was goofy. Scalped right before that. I, yeah. was just, I just remembered. Yeah, he his got, brain was out into the world. He got stripped down, and then he, you know, it just shows the brutality of this tribe. But just speaking to the tribe, they're creepy as shit. Yeah, they've got like this. They're so scary. Wind piece in their throats. Yeah, sure. They scream like I don't even know dragons. Yeah, <laughs> it's like crazy. I would pee my pants and run in the opposite direction before facing them. But yeah, they're also like really strong, and they hold multiple characters down just using like a hand or a foot. Yeah, and they also have like horns embedded into them or like the main like yeah, the, 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 the tribe the leader. leader i think it's cool as shit in like a horrifying way mm. i don't know i i certainly would not want to come across a person like that in the wild no i would be trying to kill myself before letting them that's my that's, i think we kind of talked about that like because they they kind of try to come up with this plan that they're going to use the opium that they have like the opium tincture to to Drum. poison mm-hmm. the the guys and it kind of works they get like two people to drink from it enough for one person to die and the other person to just be knocked out for hours um but like i think i would have just used that to kill myself first Probably. before having like because if that doesn't work out, then, like, yeah. I am definitely going to die. But by the end, it semi-works out. I mean, three characters make it out, and they kill the whole tribe, at least it's implied. Yeah. Besides the, the women. Besides the women. Yeah, besides the women that were suffering. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely a weird interpretation of this tribe. Yeah. And I can see criticism for that, no doubt. Especially because even other tribes are like no we don't mess with those weirdos yeah we put them there for a reason they're inbred they're cannibals no good (laughs) no good i I guess that could be if we're criticized or like if we're painting a minority as evil that could be negative yeah but i don't know i thought they're kind of cool in a bad way right (laughs) so it's it's difficult for me to judge that yeah, and this one is the only one that has like a semi happy ending. Where like, sure, most of the characters do end up dead, but the kind of morally good qu- characters survive. Yeah, like the the wife and her husband, and then and like, the, deputy. the the little assistant deputy guy, Chicory. Yeah, where he's just kind of like he's very simplistic. Where very simple things can make him happy, yeah, like he, the flea circus. He gets very happy that he thinks the flea circus is real. Yeah, and, and I think like, that's adorable. Yeah. 
It's like, oh, cute. And he goes to visit his wife before this journey, like his dead wife at the... He says he'll be back and he will. Yeah, so very, very sweet. I give this a 7 out of 10 as well. Um, Didn't like it as much as Dead Man, but Mm. definitely entertained me for two hours or a little bit more than two hours. Um, Don't know if I will watch it again. I gave it a 9. Maybe there's political issues that I still need to look into. But as a movie, not as a statement, I really like it. It's bonkers, and I like that. And it kind of maintains a good story all the way through. I'm not bothered by the pacing. Again, I think it goes fast for me. Hmm. But, yeah, it's not a perfect movie, definitely. And we watched it on a DVD I own, and the quality's kind of shit. Yeah, the... the, Audio quality and the, is really and the bad. image quality too, but you know, image whatever. quality it's, was it's a, okay. It's a cheap DVD. I should have gotten the more expensive Blu-ray. I suppose, but it's. I feel like there's still no excuse, really. It's. I really like it. It's the movie that kind of I wanted to show you the most because I've seen all of these before. Yeah. And yeah, I'm glad you watched it. I'm sure you won't watch it again. Probably not, but I appreciate that you take the time to think of movies that you want to show me, and then we watch them together. Yeah, show nice. movies you don't like. It's very nice of me. No, I I don't dislike them. I don't dislike them, but <laughs> I just don't think that. Again, westerns are not my favorite. Horror is not my favorite. These are westerns. That's the point. I know, but it's I still wanted western to show you adjacent. revisionist westerns. Of the, not necessarily anti-westerns for every single one of them, but... I'd say that they're better than traditional westerns, to be honest, <laughs> if that makes you feel better. Sure. I'll take I'll take small victories. Right. Well, I think that that's all that we have for this episode, so uh, catch us next time where we'll talk about different movies. 